Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the new Mainstream Podcast, where we explore the impact of multicultural consumers on marketing and media. I'm your host, Mario Carrasco, and co-founder of ThinkNow. Very excited for our guest today, Jackie Bird, founder and president, CEO of Red Bean Society. Welcome, Jackie. How are you? Hi, how are you, Mario? It's great to, to be here with you today. How, how's everything going? Everything's good. Everything's good. We're recording this right before Thanksgiving holidays. Right. It's going to be different this year, but, you know, blessed to be here and, and, and still be able to, uh, to work and do what we do, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's been, uh, you know, such a different year in so many different ways. Um, but here we are. And as good humans, we adapt and therefore, you know, we are in the process of um, of using all, all all these you know great tools that allow us to connect at a distance and allow us to do many other things. You know, I've been I've been really surprised with um, how much we can do without all being in the same room. <laughs> For sure, and you know, it's interesting. I before the pandemic, you know, I, I decided I'm going to take the podcast a little bit more seriously and. The timing worked out. We have record amount of listeners. I think conversations like these, I don't know about you, but I've been listening to podcasts because you feel you get that connection, you get to know know somebody um, in a way. And so, you know, I think I think podcasts are great. And so thanks again for joining. Um, we we've known each other for a while. We've our companies have worked together and it's been fantastic. For for listeners that don't know about Red Bean Society. Please tell us, tell us how it started, what you do, what's going on right now. Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, we started, or I started Red Bean Society in 2009, um, just about, I don't know, maybe nine months after I had left uh, Gray Global, um, where I had uh, ran Wing Latino at the time. Uh, Wing has since been folded into Gray, and Gray was recently merged into another company. So, <laughs> that, so, so that's what happens in today's world, right? But we started yeah. Red Bean Society, you know, with uh, with the interest of you know having a, a an offering that we were seeing very much so even at the time, you know, taking form, and in fact, it has uh, taken a very big form uh, as as we stand today. But our work is really centered on the on cultural understanding uh, as a driver for brand engagement and growth. So we started observing that way back um, that that's the, that certainly culture was really coming through as an important behavioral driver, and we felt that that was the the right way to focus on the, uh, for strategy as well for ultimate you know communication strategy as well. And many brands uh, seeking to attract, um, you know, or grow among multicultural consumers, where culture is everything, right? And we do work for those brands, and we also do work for companies in Latin America and Puerto Rico, where I am originally from, that want to expand in the United States. And at the, at, you know, at, at that point in time, for most of these companies the point of entry is usually a segment or a sub-segment within the Hispanic market, uh, be it you know Mexican or Puerto Rican or from Latin America. But at the end of the game, that 
that uh, you know point of entry or that entry point in within Hispanic turns out to be uh, a gateway for cultural crossover to enter the multicultural uh, you know mainstream that's really driving so many different trends in the United States, and that's what we've been doing for the last ten years. We've worked. Uh, you know, with many different clients, both at the brand level as well as you know companies, you know, um, you know wealth in wealth management, uh, consumer products, which is really our backbone, and within that, food has been a very strong, uh, you know, uh, vertical for us since we began in 2009. So it's been very exciting, you know, over over this time. It's uh, I think the marketplace has has undergone significant changes uh, over that time. Has that been also your experience? Uh, I think now I'm sure you've been in business for about the same number of years or no? Yeah. And, and it's it's interesting when you were talking about how you came from Gray. I came from a smaller company, Garcia Research, but they were purchased by another research company, then another research company. <laughs> so very similar, very similar stories. And and we saw the same opportunity, what you're talking about, focusing on culture, right? Like it was going to be purchased by a larger company, but we knew my business partner and I at that time when Garcia was purchased that there was still that opportunity, right? And this is coming out of a recession. And and we said, you know what? No, we got to do our own thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, what, what really was interesting to me is you have this um, a, a special focus on helping Latin American brands come into the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important. We, we've done work. We're seeing more people now that used to head up U.S. Hispanic Insights in the, um, for CPG companies, now head up LATAM Insights and vice versa. And one thing that I've seen consistently and we've done research is that and I'm sure you've experienced this, is that, you know, Latin American brands feel pretty confident coming into the U.S. Like, hey, we have, you know, this 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 great brand that's doing really well in Puerto Rico, Mexico, Venezuela, whatever it may be, right? Um, and think that they can just come to the U.S. with the same strategy. Um, you know, how do you, how do you kind of, teach clients like, Hey, it's, it's, yes, you have this, this brand affinity, but you have to, um, adjust it for the U S I mean, how do those conversations go down or, or what, what's, what's some advice that you would give for LATAM brands looking to enter the U S Hispanic market? Well, I mean, the, you know, for, for the most part, you know, they, it, it really is important to go in as at your point of entry. I think, you know, that is usually the starting point how fast you can scale it to move it into other segments is a totally different story. And that depends on many different, you know, variables, as you know, um, which includes, you know, size and volume and dollars, et cetera. But the one thing that's really important for most uh, Latin American brands is, is the shift because in their home country, that is a, is a usually a very homogeneous country, a very homogeneous population with very similar backgrounds, with very similar, you know, trends going on within that country. 
And when they move into the United States or expand into the United States, obviously that first point of entry is important because that's where that brand may be known or particularly recognized. So, you know, for brands, for example, coming from Puerto Rico, a lot of the direction is to enter through Florida. For brands coming from Mexico, the direction is usually enter through the Southwest, California, Texas. Well, that makes all the sense in the world because that's where that's where their constituency is is primary, their their core consumers. But then, you know, you need to to shift mentality and and understand that that's not the end all because there is a much broader opportunity that you can size. You know, once you start looking at the at the market as a whole and you start understanding that not even all Latinos are the same, not even because it like mm -hmm. depends on where we come from, you know, uh, not even within within the multicultural segment, then there's opportunities for African-American, there's opportunity for Asian, there's opportunity to really allow that influence of the multicultural segment into, you know, the, the mainstream of the United States, which, you know, has been, you know, I think the, the primary learning and the, the most important thing that clients or marketers need to grasp when they're looking to expand uh, into the United States. Totally. And, and I don't know if you heard, this is fresh off the press, but did you hear about Cholula being purchased? Absolutely. I heard about it last right. night. <laughs> I mean, and, and that goes exactly to what you're talking about, right? Here's this brand from Jalisco, Mexico, gets purchased by private equity and turned around and sold to McCormick, right? The most American brand you can think of for $800 million. I mean, I think that's it's huge. Right there. It's huge. And it, 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 it points to exactly what you're saying, right? It's not only about, well, the point of entry, but the, the real opportunity is how multicultural consumers are affecting general society, right? I mean, sure. um, we, we always talk about reaching multicultural consumers, but I think part of the conversation, to your point, has to be about how multicultural consumers are affecting the purchasing habits of everybody. Exactly. Right. I mean, I think whether whether we call we call ourselves Hispanic, Latino, or Latinx, whether we're talking about Black or African American, or even the diaspora within the African American, which is uh, something that I was uh, talking about precisely last week, um, even within Asian. But when you put all those together, our cultural influence is being felt across sectors, you know, uh, from essential workers, as we know them today, to food trends, to election results, the multicultural population is driving most of the important changes in mainstream America. And that's because we are becoming a large portion of the market as a whole. And within multicultural, clearly Hispanic um, is, uh, is the larger segment right now. So, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's never ending. It's just, it's just adding more and more to the mix. And what's, what's really interesting is really, you know, using research as, as the guide that's going to help us understand what are the similarities, what are the differences, how do we, how do we build upon those either, you know, both similarities and differences 
into a strategic platform for for a brand or a business. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it's 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 very different now than what it was. I want to say, you know, when I first came to the U.S. with Gray, um, that was in in uh, 2001. Uh, you know, it was a it was a totally different story. At that point, it was right after the census 2000, which had given so much in, so much importance to the Hispanic market. But lo and behold, it just you know, multicultural just kept expanding as a whole, and here we are today. And you, 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 you point out some interesting, you know, points in history, right? 2000 was kind of when everybody woke up yep. to how big the Hispanic population was, right? I think the census projection was, we missed it by a lot. There was way more Hispanics in the U.S. than realized. Right. People started, you know, then flash forward 2020, you have this awakening from a social justice perspective, realizing the importance of multicultural consumers. Um, and then I think most recently, this election, I've seen for the first time people talk about, huh, Latinos, Latinx, they're not a monolithic group. Nope. But we've been saying that for over <laughs> 20 years now. We knew that. But now people are waking up, and this is directly attributed to voting patterns, right? Everybody had assumed Latinos are going to vote one way. Um, and that's not necessarily the case. That's a whole different conversation. That's a whole different conversation. You know, <laughs> but, but I mean, what what do you think about now that the rest of the world, the rest of the U.S. are starting to realize, huh, Latinos, Latinos are not a monolithic group. I mean, this is something I'm assuming Red Bean Society has has known and 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 from a marketing perspective, you help guide clients, right, to to understand that and figure out well, who within the Latino community is your target market? Yeah, for example, I mean, you know, I, I work with a client that clearly uh, a, a good percentage of the of the um, of the consumer behind that brand are are from Mexico. But when they expanded into New York, for example, they understood very clearly at that point in time that you know we couldn't treat the New York market the same way we had done it in California and Texas. Right, it was a different composition of the market. Uh, Mexicans are not quite as dominant in New York as they are in other in other parts of the country, and you had a whole bunch of bicultural Puerto Ricans and you know uh, people from the Caribbean and from you know uh, Central and North America and Central and South America in the in the makeup of new york and when you come to florida it's a totally different makeup just you know the elections again is a clear reflection of that reality and you're right you know some people are saying oh wait a minute it's not like marketing to latinos and latinos are one monolith correct it's it's not we are a composition of many different and add to that the bicultural aspect of of being you know, to living of people who live in two cultures because substantive research, and I'm sure you can talk a lot about that, has been conducted to tell to to let us know that um, you know the, the reality is that you cannot put everybody in the same basket and assume that that's how you're going to market to one big chunk of Latinos because that's just not the way it works. 
And biculturalism lets us live in both cultures and we go in and out of those cultures as we see fit. Um, I can go from Puerto Rican culture to American culture to, you know, truly uh, Southern culture because my mother was born in Louisiana. And so, you know, there's, we're just yeah. make up of many different, and to me, that is the most interesting aspect of how culture can drive behavior because I can, I can behave. I, I always say the analogy that if I am at Madison Square Garden and Mark Anthony wraps himself in the Puerto Rican flag, I'm going to be jumping up and down like a maniac. <laughs> and, uh, and however, you know, when I'm in my real life, I can, I can switch. My husband is, is Jewish American, so I can switch to that in real time. And, and that's something that people who don't have that bicultural makeup don't necessarily understand because they are used to living within one culture. And, and I think that's fascinating about what we do. You know, you, you're, you're mentioning, um, geography linked to countries of origin, which, mm -hmm. which again, to you and I, we, we, we know this, um, I, I want, can you break it down on a high level for our listeners who might not be aware of that? You know, what type of, you know, what country of origin are you looking at in the West versus the Southwest versus the East? Um, and then, you know, Florida is its own thing. There's so much, so many changes there. Can you just tell us on a high level, you know, what, what country of origins are, are represented in higher numbers in each of these regions? Yes, of course. I mean, if you go to, if you go to California and Texas, it's clearly predominantly Mexican. Uh, same thing happens if you go, you know, uh, towards the north in, in, in cities like Chicago, or many other cities that are now that that are now like more and more Hispanic influenced, like for example Denver, uh, anything that's west and southwest, it's really predominantly Mexican. When you go to the northeast, it is predominantly Caribbean. When you go to Chicago, there is a there is a, a, a very you know fast growing Mexico population. There's also a very strong Puerto Rican population in Chicago. And when you come to Florida, it's a mixed bag. You know, I, I lived in New York for for 20 years, 18 years, actually, before before moving to Florida. And I moved to Florida for personal reasons. My husband wanted to move to Florida. And for me, it was it didn't matter really where I was, because my work is consulting, and I do a lot of work, you know, on a remote basis. So we came down to Florida. And, you know, I was expecting to find I mean, I had been in Florida before, clearly on business, et cetera, but as uh, living in a place is not exactly the same thing. And I was really, you know, I thought, well, I'm going to find a lot of Cuban population. But the truth of the matter is that over the last three years, there's been a huge increase in Puerto Rican population of Florida, particularly mm -hmm. along central Florida. And that was as a consequence of the hurricane. So now when you come to Florida, it's, you know, Cubans and Puerto Ricans are about 50-50 when you, you know, when you take the two of them alone and then add to that Central American and, you know, uh, Latin American uh, per se. So, yeah, there is a, a different makeup of that uh, Hispanic market when you take it to, you know, other multicultural segments like African-American or Asian, you're going to find 
a lot of African American in in the in the South as well as certain uh, markets in the North, in the in the in the mid North, I would suppose. Um, whereas Asian is really predominantly in California, New York, but we're seeing a lot of Asian also happening in in markets like Texas, for example. So, you know, when you look at the whole of the United States, you have a very strong multicultural mass in the major key DMAs that that really impact, you know, brand uh, brand performance as a whole. So it is a very important segment to be to be addressing. Yeah, and thank you for giving that overview because I think we 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 have two types of listeners on the podcast as one, you know, kind of preaching to the choir that just want to stay connected and and are really in the multicultural marketing mix. And then another segment that really kind of picked up during the pandemic that I just want getting their, dipping their toes into multicultural marketing. So they think that's super helpful. Um, Believe it or not, we're almost hitting our time, but I did want to ask you, you, you've done, you've done some great work. What, what's, what work are you most proud of that you've done while at Red Bean? I think the work that I'm most proud of is uh, is the work that that we've done for for a brand uh, named Tahin, which is uh, chili lime seasoning uh, by product definition, if you may. It is um, it's it's the brand. You know, we started working with the brand pretty much at the onset of our of our company uh, startup, which was in 2010. So I told you we started the company in, 20, in 2009. So around 2010, we were already working with Tahina and continue to do so. And we feel very proud of the, of the performance of that brand. It started as a, as, a, as a small, if you may. And then I always say that there's no such a thing as a small client. And, and I think Tahin uh, probably proves that in, in my real life. But the reality is we took the brand from a two-market, pretty much brand focused very closely on the Hispanic market. And, you know, by 2012, we had identified that the brand already was starting to penetrate other segments. And we started doing a lot of uh, deep insight research around uh, the, you know, the brand, you know, within those segments, how consumers were viewing it, how they were using it. And, you know, it, today, you know, the brand is very much, uh, you know, at, at least in 10 markets. And from a distribution standpoint, it enjoys national distribution across all major retailers, you know, Walmart, Kroger, you know, et cetera. And, and we've really made big inroads uh, with a brand that, that really started very, very small in two key markets in multicultural. I mean, in Hispanic. And we've driven it to the multicultural and crossed over into mainstream uh, to the point where, you know, we've been featured as, you know, flavor of the year for 2020 and Food Network. It was featured in the New York Times uh, on, on, a, on, you know, the, the last year as you know a lifestyle brand that was making strong inroads into the into the US market so yeah i would say that you know as of now that is uh, for red bean that would be the the you know the the track record that i would be most proud of that's incredible and hopefully you know we were able to help you a little bit in that tahin one of my favorite brands personally um we have it at my home put it on fruit and i could see that transition that you're talking about yep. because it used to be you know 
Well, my wife is Sri Lankan, but she knew about tahini. She they similar kind of cultural from a from a flavor perspective, putting spicy things on fruit and whatnot. Um, so like we were aware of that brand, but now I see my non-Hispanic friends, my white friends, black friends, um, Asian friends aware of it. I know LA is a very different market, but usually LA is kind of from a food perspective, what happens here tends to go across the country. And so, um, you know, Tahin is, 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 is definitely one of those stories. I mean, the past decade went from only Latinos to a good amount of people now know about tahin. So congratulations on that. No, the penetration, the penetration is very strong uh, at this point among among all the different segments that we that we look into. And we look right now, we're looking across across all the segments: non-Hispanic, white, African American, bicultural Hispanics, unacculturated Hispanics, and Asian. So, you know, we are, we are doing very good work. I work very closely with the comp, I mean, with the company and their advertising agency in New York. And, you know, the the brand has, it's, it's, um, it's an amazing story. That's great. And that's, that's the type of stories, like, that's why we do what we do, right? I mean, you know, you see the potential in these brands um, and it's so cool to see them grow. Well, thank you so much for being on the new mainstream podcast, Jackie, for listeners that want to learn more about Red Bean Society, connect with you. Can you please share your website, social media? Sure. It's uh, The website is redbeansociety.com. Very easy. Redbean, all one word, society.com. And um, the, we're, we have handles on LinkedIn as well as, uh, as Facebook. Great. Thanks again, Jackie. And thanks everybody for listening. All right. Thank you so much for having me, Mario. It's nice talking to you. Thanks to everyone listening in. To get more multicultural insights, check us out at thinknow.com and follow us on social media. You can also subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. Final thank you to our producer, Lucas Martinez, who created our intro music and makes our podcast sound great. T-mail him reach out to martinez.lucas.a at gmail.com.